Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lord, we thank you for allowing us into your presence again this evening and tonight, Lord. I would like to speak to the people, Father, regarding your testimony in John, the, chat, the book of John, regarding your statements of I am. Most people see that there are seven statements very clarifying statements of you saying I am, and I'm going to show there's actually eight. But the first seven are in the ways of the, of the seven spirits, and the eighth one is really in the way of the regeneration, the eternal plan, and so forth. So I would, I'd like to cover those, but I'd like to go back to start that. Let's go back and look at Exodus 3. When Moses was there, and you were giving him the instruction to go back to Egypt at the burning bush. In verse 3, um, 13, you said, uh, then uh, 3, 13 to 14, Exodus 3, 13 to 14 says, Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And I just want to clarify, I've taught on this before and made known that when he's saying I am in Hebrew, the meaning is more like I will be what I will be. In other words, we have to understand if we go to Revelation nineteen eleven to 13, we see that his name that's written on his leg, which he cannot change that. That means that is the way he walks. That is the way he goes. And what that means is his name is the word. And that's why he's saying in Isaiah 55, 11, that his word will be what it's supposed to be because it will never change. It will go out and do and accomplish all that was given to do. And the Lord, Father God, in John three thirty four inhabits all his words, his set-apart holy words. His spirit is in them in full measure, it says. So we know from that, and we know from this, that the meaning of I am is that he's sending his word that cannot be broken. And when we are sent with his word, it will not be broken. He gave a good example of that, and we kind of look over this and kind of ignore what he said. But if we go and clarify that um, what the Lord says in, in Exodus 4 about the latter sign. This is a very important thing that's going to show us that this is God that's coming. Because only God can give one disease that's uh, very difficult. And that, that disease is explained in Zechariah 14.12. It's the sign of Zechariah 14.12 of all those who come against his city, which his city is the foundation of peace, that his city is he's king over. It means that you're coming against him and his word because he does all things by his word, John, Psalms 33, 4. And he's in 1 Colossians uh, uh, 
15, it tells you that too. Anyway, he tells us this throughout the Bible. And I've said it many times, shown it to you in many scriptures before. But when he comes to this, he gives the latter sign. And he says, you know, first, let me let me start up here at the beginning of 4.1. It says, that, uh, and I'm going to read down to the latter sign, uh, which is, it goes about basically the first nine verses. <clears throat> uh, first eight verses, I'm sorry. It says, then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice because suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from it. Remember that Moses earlier, uh, as it's recorded in Acts 7.32, when he was told uh, by the Lord, the burning bush, and he says, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, that Moses trembled and dared not look. That's in Acts 7.35. So you can see that in this time, Moses was in great awe. And he was, uh, you know, how do you go and do what the Lord is telling you to do, especially when he's not eloquent and he knows the way of the court that he was involved with. He was a, he was an Egyptian prince. So he knows the way of that system. And because of that, he had great you know, great understanding of what they would believe and not believe as far as telling them they're going to let them go and so on. And the people as well. The people of Israel as well as the people of Egypt. Um, so what the Lord goes on, he says, and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take the tail. Oops, I'm sorry, I, I didn't, I skipped a verse here. <laughs> um, the Lord has not appeared to you. That's where I let off. And so in verse two, it says, so the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. And he said, cast it in the ground, on the ground. So he cast it on the ground. It became a serpent and Moses fled from it. And the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. And so the Lord says that they may believe that the Lord, your God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So this was a sign. He says, furthermore, the Lord said to him, now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, put your hand in your bosom again. You remember, when you're talking about snow in the way of the words of God, it isn't just that it's white with leprosy. This could have been much worse. He probably had it white at that time, but leprosy, the whiteness, is symbolic of what it's pointing to at this time. And that is that it's the deep, cold correction that sticks. And at this time, the Lord is going to cause the fact that snow is in his storehouses in, in the place called the deep. And he brings it out to pour on the earth at this time. And remember from there is going to come the hailstones with the fire in it. Well, this plague of snow that's coming that he's talking about is the leprosy. This leprosy is Tassaret. And it's going to be like you're a dead person. It's going to come out of there and putrid looking and um, 
you know, your body, it's, it's like your skin and flesh never formed. It's all icky looking and red and bleeding and so forth. Blood. And what's that symbolic of? If you go back to the meaning of the word Edom, for example, which is what when 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 uh, Esau chose to eat the soup, immediately he was called Edom. That's what the, his name became, Edom. Edom means red or ruddy. But it also has something else. It's it means like a bloodish kind of thing. It's a loss of the inheritance, and that is him pointing to this leprosy that's coming at this time, when God brings this leprosy of Zechariah fourteen twelve upon the people. Far worse than this leprosy He's given him, but it's the sign of the later times. Listen to what the Lord says here. He says, the leprous like snow. And he said, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom. And behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Then it will be, if they do not believe you nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. God doesn't change his ways. I've told people many times that the plagues are going to come on the earth for about 21 months time of about a half an hour in the, in the book of Revelations, an uh, hour is 42 months. A time is two times an hour. There's, you know, in the Jewish clock, you have the first three hours is considered one uh, one hour, first hour, and then you have the third hour from nine o'clock to noon, then you get the sixth hour from noon to um, nine or three in the afternoon, and, and then the ninth hour from three in the afternoon to 12. It's a little bit different than what we're thinking in our clock because they categorize three hours together as one. Well, that's the way it is in the day of the Lord. It's it's that there's two hours, 42 months each. Uh, so it's 84 months in a time, which means it's seven years of length. Because in the book of Revelations, everything's booked uh, based upon a 42-month schedule, even though it may be 43 months. It may be an ADAR, you know, an ADAR 2. But as far as the prophecies of the book of Revelation, they're all based upon a 42-month span, based upon a seven-year evening, a seven-year night, a seven-year morning, and a one hour of the afternoon because it's cut short. Uh, he has to destroy that beast. And he's doing that because he will not allow them to pass his fourth spirit because all the times are always based in the way of the Lord. And the way of the Lord always goes by his uh, seven spirits. So he will not allow him to get past that that three and a half year mark. Uh, that's why at 42 months he will return and will destroy in the afternoon at three o'clock equivalent in the day of the Lord, which is the ending of the 24 and a half years because it's a time, a times, and a half time. So a time is seven years, a time is 14 years, that's 21. And then three and a half years is a half time. So the entirety of the day of the Lord is indeed 24 and a half years. And if you're calculating, you can multiply that times, you know, three times 84 plus 42. And you've got the, the number of total months according to the day of the Lord in the thing. Okay, that doesn't really matter at this time, but I'm trying to point out is the latter sign. Now, the latter sign is that the rising of the morning, not the time when the Antichrist reigned. The Antichrist will reign at noon. That's when they put the Lord on the cross. But that's when he's going to reign and, and he's going to die at three o'clock in the afternoon, just in the ante, and the false prophet with him. And all those that follow him are all going to die and be cast out 
at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the same time Jesus died on the cross. Equivalent to that. So, we're seeing at this time the latter sign is leprosy. That agrees with Zechariah 14.12. It agrees with many other scriptures. But the leprosy they're going to get is the leprosy called Tessaret, which is like when um, Aaron saw Miriam with this disease, he said, oh, she looks like she's not born. In other words, she was born not developed because the limbs wither and so forth. And the skin is horrible. If you go back and you think about Job, who also had this disease, it was so bad and the stench was so bad that he didn't live in a house and his wife was not out there. It was Job who was uh, scraping off the pus, sitting on a manure pile. And his wife was not even tending to him. You know, it, it's a terrible thing that the people, everybody, he was a, uh, an abhorrence to the people. They didn't want to look upon him or anything. The friends didn't even recognize him. When they saw him, they couldn't believe it was him because this plague is all over his body. And that's what's coming and people aren't believing this. But, you know, what he's saying here is, and pull it back out of your garment, after a period of time, God's going to heal these people because he's going to put this plagues on them to show that he is God. It's the latter sign. He's going to give them the plague for about 21 months, time of about a half an hour, Revelation 8, 1 to 7 or so. And then at the end of that, what's going to happen? I think it's 8, 1 to 4. And at the end of that time, he'll heal them. It's like the 10 lepers that were healed and only one came back and praised him. It gave glory to God. And then he was he was saved and was of the kingdom. But those other guys, they went to the priest and they went to the way of the world. And they did not praise God, did not come, did not even think to return to what kind of word is this that this man spoke that this happened? You know, the, the thing is they should have known the king was coming. They came to him and asked to be healed. And that, that's the sign, though, at this time. But what is important is he's saying that I'm telling you to go and tell the people I am who I will be. And here he tells you the beginning sign, which what did he do? The very first thing was the serpent. And what is going to be the latter sign? He didn't use leprosy in any of these plagues upon Egypt. He's talking about the latter sign, the time to come. That's what he's talking about here in Exodus 4. That's the latter sign. Zechariah 14, 12 says all those that come against the city of Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem means, the city means the people who follow God and set themselves apart by the words of God. His city is all those who follow him. That's the temple he's building at this day. The words are within us. He will, after he comes for the judgment, then he will set them apart over there to be refined and so forth. But right now, before that judgment happens, we have to be set apart against his city and all those who are trying to block his words, whether you're a preacher or whether you're of the world system, all those who try to block his words coming forth are going to see that, block his words from his people, getting to his people. They're besieging his city. When they curse the words of God and speak against the words of God, they're coming against his city of Jerusalem because his Jerusalem is built upon a city, the uh, foundation of peace. Foundation of peace is what? The spirit. How do you get the spirit? You have to ask for the words and then he will enable because you have to be set apart by the words of God, John 17, 17, John 14, 15 to 17, or the spirit of truth cannot enter you. 
The spirit of truth is walking on the earth right now because, but we're all of the world. He's angry with all the shepherds in Zechariah 10.3 and Jeremiah 23 in the book of Jude. All these things are speaking of this time because we will not hear, we will not listen, and we will not discern the truth. So that's what he's talking about here. So that sign of leprosy is coming. We need to understand that. That's what this is teaching us here. And I will be what I will be. And he told us here that the leprosy is going to be the sign of the latter time. Do not come against his words. You'd not like them. You can do lots of things. But if you come against his words, you've got this promise. Because it's a sin. The Lord said in Deuteronomy 18, 18, 19, when he causes the knowledge of truth, his words to be made known, be sent into the world. Like he said also in Hebrews 10, uh, uh, 26 to 27. He says that he will hold you in account, Deuteronomy 18 and 19. And he tells us at this time, and Jesus warned us at John 12, 48, we're going to be judged by his words. And he always speaks the words of God and we're not listening. He said in John eight forty three to 47, how come you cannot understand my speech because you will not discern my words? How come you not understand the end times? You cannot discern my words. And remember that the knowledge of his words, the knowledge of truth comes line by line, precept upon precept. That's why it gets more clear and more clear and more clear every day. And we should be listening. And by this time, we should have knowledge of truth. But we still don't even know the appointed times. People are not even preaching that he's going to reign for seven years on the earth. They think in the half time, middle of that, they go by the doctrines of guys like Clarence Larkin around the early 1900s and say in the middle of that, he's going to make a peace treaty with the, with the world system. It doesn't say that. Seven years he's going to reign. You think he's going to share his reign with other people? He's going to make a covenant with many, even the evil ones. But in the middle of that time, he's going to take away his sacrifice, which means that's the rapture, and it's kind of late to get in, isn't it? But he's only going to bring the plague of leprosy for 21 months, or about 21 months, about a half an hour. Should be enough for us. Okay, now let's look at something else that I think is quite interesting. Many people say that there are seven statements, I am statements, and we should know that when he's saying I am, and if he does all things by his words, that the I am is representing, I am means I will be. It means he's speaking in the way of the words, the words of God that never fail, that never come back to them empty. These are the words, and he's wanting us to get these words. John 10, 34 to 36 says, all those whom, to whom the word comes, they become like a little God. A God's words is heard. The gods of the world are not God's. The gods of the world are made out of idols and made out of lies and made out of deception. And the Lord tells us in Revelation 12, the devil is going to perdition. He is going to perdition. He's not going to be saved. He's not going to be able to make it through. The book of Revelation makes that clear. He's going to be cast out. He's already lost his throne in the second heaven. You think he can beat him on earth? Have he lost his whole kingdom? And been cast down there. No, he's already been judged. He's going to go out. But in the meantime, he's trying to kill everybody. And he's making that last ditch effort to try to kill us all. Try to get us all to kill ourselves. That's what he has to do. Is get us all to kill ourselves off. So that the word of the Lord can be broken. But the word said, when the word is open, God says it can't be stopped. It will go forth. You can take out a messenger. But it's too late. It's already spread. It's already documented. It's already here. 
This time it will not fail because it's going to do what it says it's going to do. He said at the end time that leprosy is coming. That means at the end time there's a judgment, a separation judgment, which people will be given that plague, as it promises in Revelation 18, 1 to 4, because he promises in Revelation 18 that when the light shines on the earth, which is the entrance of the words of God, God is light, First John 1, 5, and uh, God is uh, the light. Psalms one nineteen one thirty says the entrance of his words gives light and gives understanding to the simple. We're simple because we did not see the words. We were not taught it in our colleges. We were not taught in our churches because they've lost the word and we're not even looking for it at this time. They're looking for rapture. They're looking for God to do something. And the Bible tells you exactly what God did was going to do and he did it and nobody's paying attention. And And they're going to pay a price for that. They're going to be judged by his words because they would not hear them. They're hearing prophecy. But look what he says in Matthew seven twenty one to 23. Prophets are going to be cast out because they're lawless. What is the law? Psalms 119, 142. The law is truth. What is truth? He tells you in John seventeen seventeen. it's God's words. And then he tells you that same thing in um, Psalms 119, uh, 160. And he tells you that in Psalms 33 and 4. All his works are done in truth, which is the words of God. Okay, now what they say these seven I am statements are, I am the bread of life, which is in uh, John 6, uh, and, uh, from 35 to 48, basically, well, actually 51, because it says it, it, says it in, I, in 35, John six thirty-five. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. I am the bread of life, uh, in John six forty-eight. And John 6, 51, he says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. See, bread is symbolic of instruction. He had just told these people that the bread and the fish that you ate, you didn't believe because of the miracle you saw, but the bread that did what? The bread you ate to your full gave you the desire to chase after it, you know, understanding of his words. So here he's teaching them the way of his words and they're not grabbing it. And this is interesting because this is the first one in the book of John. And it represents the separation from the world. He was showing these people the way to separate themselves from the world. Just like he says in John seventeen seventeen, you've got to be sanctified, holy, by the word of God. They, you know, you don't eat Jesus' physical flesh. That's a lie to eat the Eucharist or whatever they do over there in the Catholic Church. What he's talking about here is that the bread of instructions in it. You know, the show bread, they had the light sand on it for seven days. It stayed and they ate it on the, the next Sabbath and they made the new bread that Sabbath morning. And it stayed there for full seven days and they ate it on the Sabbath morning. We have to understand that he's talking about this and why they ate it on the eighth day is because you're going to see in a second uh, in a little bit here why we're going to do it because we're going to talk about the eighth spirit, the eighth work. And the spirit is the real living king, the king, regeneration, the king. Okay, so this is the, this John 6, the first one. He does this seven times and these are the ways each one of them represents exactly the way of the seventh spirit, and they're in order. First one is in John 6. The next one's in John 8. 
and John 9. It runs from John 8, 12 to John 9, 5. And what's it talking about? He says, I am the light of the world. See, the first one is separating yourself from the world by recognizing there are words. And he was talking about words here, but these people wouldn't listen. He's telling them the way of the words, set apart, let there be light in the world. And the light brings light. It bring, bring light upon the world. So he says, I am the light of the world. And he comes down here and it says what? He says, Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. If you go to Psalms 119, 105, he tells you that, that, you know, his words are the light to your path. He's talking about the words of God. And what is light? It's Psalms 119, 130 says the entrance of his words gives light. First John 1, 5 is God is light. Psalms 119, 130. And it gives understanding to the simple. The second spirit of God is wisdom. And its spirit is the words of wisdom. We're to get the words of wisdom so that we can receive the light in us and begin to walk in the way of the words. Because we'll understand what they are and what they mean. Then he goes to the next one. He says, uh, I am the gate or the door, you can say. Uh, both symbolic of saying similar thing. Uh, in, in John 10, 7. So you went from John 6 to John 8. Now you're going to John 10. And there it's, it tells you. Let me, let me go back to the light again. It's really important we understand this. We're going to be judged by the words of God, which is the wisdom, the words of wisdom. We're going to be judged by the words, John 12, 48. We're going to be judged by our understanding. And John 9, 4, 5 says the light of the world, he is the light of the world, and he's going to go out of the world. There's going to be a famine of his words, Amos 8, 1, uh, 11 to 14. Revelation 6, 3 to 4. Excuse me, 5 to, 5 to 6. So you see that the light of the world is going to end. And he tells us, he says, he's in the world. In other words, he's the light to the world. If they will receive it, they can be saved and enter the kingdom of God and come out of the world. We're still, we got the light. We got scriptures all over the place. We got believe in God. Many people even have the words, but we're not out of the world yet. We have not set ourselves apart from the world by doing the words of God, which is to do good works. But we got the light of the world. It's still here yet, but it's about to leave the world. And if we don't come into the understanding and, and the, the building of fruit and doing fruit, producing harvest, we will not continue to have light. It'll be taken from us. It goes in John uh, 10, when we go to the door, it said, and we can say he's the gate, or door. Uh, the, the Greek word is really more, I think, to the gate. It says that Jesus said to them again, most surely I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And John ten nine, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Pasture. What's that? Pasture eats. Pasture gets understanding. Pasture, you know, it goes out in the field and you, you dig up good works for others. When you go out to a pasture and you're eating, at the same time, you're stirring up that ground for good works for others. And that's what the understanding gives you because James one twenty two tells us, uh, you know, you're not of God. Or, um, you know, you're not doing anything unless you do good. In other words, if you don't use the words for good, you're not of God. Jesus says that if we don't hear the words of God, we're not of, of the Father in John um, 
847. Now, the next one, that's the third way. Third way is understanding. The, the fourth way is the uh, teaching of the counsel of the Lord. And so, naturally, what is it? That's I am the good shepherd. We see this really interesting, a good example of a counseling in Acts 9.5 when he, Paul uh, says, uh, it was recording there, and he said, Who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And that ties back to Ecclesiastes 12.11 and says, the, words are the, the goads are the words of the one shepherd. The one shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd give his life for his sheep. His good shepherd in John ten fourteen says, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I'm known by my own. And it tells you that those who have his words and who have understanding at the end times, those who have got his words and understanding will come out of the world and take his words. John eighteen thirty seven. Because we will not do that means we are not of his kingdom. We are not going to be raptured. People think they're raptured if they just believe in the blood. As a really questionable thing, whether or not you can do that. But for sure, you will not be raptured under that calm knowledge. Because God said knowledge will increase. Daniel 12.4 And the knowledge is the knowledge of truth. The knowledge of truth is his words. John 17.17 17. We must be saved and come to the knowledge of truth to fulfill the will of God. In this time, we must get his words. We're going to be judged by his words. We will not hear his words. It doesn't matter if you cast out demons in his name. It doesn't matter if you healed many in his name. It doesn't matter if you prophesied in his name. You're going to be cast out. Matthew 7, 21 to 23. His word cannot be broken because you're lawless. His law is his truth. His truth is his words. Psalms 119, 142, and 160. Okay, I think that's a, a good one to understand. Now, what is that? That's the counsel of the Lord. Counsel is he's given you good instruction that guides you and brings you forth. He corrected Paul and put him on a path. He blinded him for three days, put the scales like fish scales on his eyes. Because why? They, they won't eat the meat of the word. And I, I showed you in John 21, the famous story of the 153 fish, the great fish. And he said, take some of my fish and go feed the people. Take some of my words and go feed the fish, the people. See, the people are in the sea. They're in the water. They're not of the dry land. You may be walking in New York City. You may be walking in San Antonio, Texas. You may be walking in Washington, D.C., but you're not on dry land. In the kingdom of heaven, you're still in the sea. Because you do not get on the dry land until you either do really good works for people with a good heart. And you listen to God and know that this is his time and that he's calling you to receive the words of truth. Then you're on the shore and you're going to go to the mountaintop. You're going to climb his mountain. He also gave them the sign right after the leprosy of the water. He says, take some of the water of the river and pour it. And remember, the queen owns all the rivers that go into the ocean and the Nile River went to the sea. And the queen in this time, she has a law, the sea treaty that all the leaders secretly signed, giving her ownership of all the seas and all the rivers. And the nations that we think as nations are nothing more than corporations that are like ships docked on her river. 
And she owns a river, so anything on it, she owns what your land you're on. So the land that you're on, you're paying duties to her. And her law, the law of the sea, the admiralty law, that's why it's like that. And that's why she rules over things. And that's why she tells the government what to do. They run the Treasury Department. They run the Justice Department. They run Congress and Senate. And the Senate and Congress only passes what they say. That's why, you know, Trump went in this thing and he's saying, oh, we're going to get rid of the the gay and transsexual agenda that uh, Obama put in place. The first thing he does is ignore that. And his own daughter and them is accredited for, no, no, let's not do that. You know, it's abominable. They say they're Jewish. They're not Jewish. These are people like they're they're on the the no-eyed morality laws that everybody's okay. Not in the day of judgment. It's our job to bring them to the knowledge of truth and let them see the facts from the scripture to let them see this is what you're being judged by. You're going to be judged by the words of God. And these words say this. And these laws about abominations and so forth say this. And you're breaking these laws. And why are you breaking it? Because you're doing this way of the flesh that he gave. You're mocking the flesh. Tattoos mock the flesh. Tattoos is asking for destruction of flesh. Putting garments on that are transsexual in nature are mocking the, the, the words of wisdom. You can't receive the words of wisdom if you mock the Holy Spirit. Simple. You can't, you know, you can't say you're going to have flesh that's purified and made refined if you're tattooing it. We need to turn and repent, and God can remove those things at the time of the separation judgment. But if we will not do that and will not repent for that beforehand, you will not. You'll go into punishment for it, and your flesh is going to be destroyed, like it says in Zechariah 14, 12. Especially if you're putting crosses and Bible verses, that's a mockery of God to put those things on your body. That's fact. God says, don't put any tattoos on your body. Why? It's mocking the spirit of truth. It's mocking the spirit of grace, the blood of the spirit of grace. And remember what he says in Hebrews 10, 31 to 36, 24 to 36. Tells you there, gather together, stir up love and good works at these latter times. What is love? Jesus says you don't love him if you don't hear his words. I have people tell me, oh, you know, you're, you're talking too harsh. You're not talking with love. No, I'm not talking about love in the way of the devil because the law of Thelema is love and it is to have your own will. And that's their own will of these shepherds. They do not want to hear the truth, do not want to see the truth of the Bible. And therefore, they're walking in the law of Thelema, not in the law of God, not in the law of love of God. Love of God is that you receive his words and he will bless you and he will set you apart and he will reward you and he will refine you. He'll bring you into the kingdom and give you treasure. He will help you in this time when there's no food and everything else. You'll be able to have authority to receive the spirit to guide you into receiving his words and enable you to speak forth the food from the ground. He will show you the way to take dominion over the earth, to restore the earth as he's going to do it overnight for people. You'll have it come up wherever you go because he's going to provide for you. He said he's going to feed you like stall-fed calves, Malachi 4.2, but not if you don't love him in the way of the words. Jesus said that the the will of the Father is he desires all men to come to to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth, knowledge of his words. Jesus said at this time in John 17, 17, that he requires the Father to cause all of us to be set apart by his words. John 17, 17, read it carefully. His word is all his words 
which he tells you they're purified words, and he gives you the example of them as fish in John one fifty three. Remember when he had to pay the people the coins? He had had him go take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and take the coin out of its mouth and feed them. It's symbolic. The word of God is going to take back the gold and silver at this time. Ecclesiastes 2.26. At this time, it's going to be restored to God. He's going to take back the gold and silver from the treasuries of the Vatican and the treasuries of the Crown Trust, which owns the Vatican and runs it. All these things is coming back to the Lord. That's that fish. The word is going to do that at this time. It's going to restore the taxes. In other words, all these taxes and everything else, they're going to be taken away. Because the word is overcoming it. See, they don't have a law at this time. Their divine law that they operate on, the Admiralty Law and the religious law, the Vatican, the divine law that they have that they base the, the Admiralty foundation upon is not divine. It's based upon St. Thomas's writings who did not know the words, did not know the knowledge of the words of God. It was a long time after the time of Jesus and the time of the apostles. His interpretations are wrong. They're erred. And therefore, their law is aired, and the Lord says he's removing all their judges. And he's taking back his treasuries at this time. And he tells them they do not have authority to reign at this time because, he says, come out of Babylon, come out of all those who follow Babylon at this time. Okay, that is the good shepherd. That's the counsel, Lord. The next thing is, I am the resurrection and the life. That's in John 11. I've told you that he was the gate. I've told you about um, he's the good shepherd. Uh, both of those were in John 10. And he's the door. I'm, I'm the gate. The door. And I could tell you much more about the door and gate. The words are supposed to be written on the doors, by the way. And that, that's really important for us because that's how you get understanding. When you get understanding, when you pass through the door, he blesses that house. And then that, and he pours out the knowledge on those who come in it. That's they receive understanding in his words. They do the way of the words by putting his doors uh, words on the door or on the gates, and and so forth. And though, and it tells us that, you know, the children shall um, go forth, and if they were taught, they'll have extended years of life, and they will speak in the gates of the enemy. They will be able to preach without harm because they will be strong in faith and understanding. Faith comes by hearing the word. Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, Jesus said this to her. This is in uh, John 11, uh, 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 14, 15. Anyway, uh, it repeats it in 25. It says, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. See, that that is the fifth spirit of God because it's the might of God. The fifth spirit is the law of God. He tells you in John 5, 24, that if you will hear the voice of the Lord, which means discern his words, because in Greek, the meaning of voice, hearing, is what? You have to discern the words that are being spoken, the knowledge of what is being spoken. If you discern that, you hear the voice of the Lord. Hearing comes by the word of God. If you take the word of God and discern what he's saying by the way of the words of God, then, and if you believe in the promises of God's good works that he prepared for the foundations of the world, then what will happen? He says, you'll have eternal life and you will pass through these judgments. Pass through the judgments as you will be refined. You will be ready for the resurrection. 
It said, uh, next verse, he says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, in him my father will honor. That goes along with John 15 to 7. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in him, you abide in his words, whatever you desire will be done for you. Okay. Um, and he gave us a promise in John twelve thirty two that if, and I and I if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. How does he do that? He pours out his spirit and causes us to know his words, which is what he did in Luke twenty four forty four and forty five and John twenty to twenty one. John twenty and chapter twenty one also. If you read that, you'll understand about the words of God. Luke 24, 44, and 45 tells you that he, these are the words I spoke to you while I was with you. And what? He says, then he was able to open understanding to them of the scriptures. You can't get understanding of the scriptures unless you discern them with the way of the words. So that's the fifth spirit. So every one of these is going in order. We're in John 11. Now we come to the next one, which is John 14, 6, very famous verse. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus paid the price of the blood. If we will go to him, he will intercede with the Father to pour the spirit of truth upon us and enable us and cause us to know his words. Because the spirit of truth is the spirit of God, which is in all of his words, enables us to understand his words. But we have to go to Jesus because he says he will be the one to cause us to receive these words and cause us to understand. He gives the authority of the Spirit. The Spirit speaks what he hears in heaven, the words of God. Because all the words in heaven, as Paul talks about in Second Corinthians 12, 1 to 4, are the words of God, the way of the words of God. Everything is done that way. And we are to bring his kingdom, that is where people walk in the pure language, Zephaniah 3, 9, that is the kingdom. All people walking one shoulder with three languages, all trying to do good, to glorify God, to put on the righteous acts of saints. Revelation 19, 1 to 10. Okay. Next we come to the uh, final one. The way, the truth, and life. I didn't describe what the way, the truth, and life is. The way of God, as I've explained in the words many times to people, the way of God is joy. Rejoice. What's he say? Oh, your desire be done for you because your desire is going to be good because if you walk in the way of him and if you have the words, you're biting away the words, the words of God are, are like a, a sharp two-edged sword and it's going to cut away all the darkness. Hebrews 4.12 says it, it reads into the intent of the heart and even to the bone marrow. In other words, it even corrects our past. In other words, it takes that past and understands and causes us to understand what we did wrong and how we need to change to do good. And so we will walk in truth. And the truth is the words of God, which is the words are like keys that unlock the promises of God's good works prepared from the foundation of the world. That's what they do. And it's only used to communicate to God, to his spirit and to God, to the Lord. They understand a pure language. The world doesn't. They can't even utter it. Second Corinthians 12, 1 to 4. John fourteen fifteen to 17 says, the spirit of truth cannot enter those of the world unless you're set apart from the world, as it says is required in John seventeen seventeen. you cannot receive the spirit of truth in you. 
And when the light of the world goes away, out of the world, it will not go out of those who are set apart in his kingdom because you, if you have the spirit of truth in you, you are of the kingdom of heaven. As he says in John 5, 24, you already have the promise of eternal life and you'll pass through these judgments. So you won't have the darkness come upon you. You may be here when the darkness is on earth, but you will not have darkness. You'll have provision. You'll have life. Remember what he says in Revelation uh, 6, 5 to 6. He says, don't touch my oil and wine. Oil is knowledge. Wine is those with the eternal plan of God. And that wine is symbolic of, of that, of the those uh, who have the understanding of the way of the kingdom, the way of doing, enabling the good works of God. Where he told us he's going to change the water into wine at this time. He's going to refine us and make us sweet tasting and good, able to do good works, able to enable good works and take dominion. The last one is, he says, I am the true vine in John 15. John 15, 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. See, he's the true vine. But he is walking in the authority of God, and he's been given all authority of God, and he's been given the authority over the copyright. But at the end of the day, God owns everything. He is the son of God and the likeness of God. He walks in the authority of God, and there's none like him. His blood is not like our blood at this time. His blood when he was on earth was not like any man's because it had one chromosome of the father and 23 of the, of the mother. Nobody has ever had that. Muhammad, none of these are true that. And that's why people hated uh, the, the testimony that was given by Ron Wyatt when he found that blood. And it's recorded there. It'll be uncovered soon. It's a long story with that, but it's a wonderful story. I believe it completely. It says, I am the vine, John 15, 5, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. You don't have authority to call upon the words, and, and he can take away everything. He can dissolve your eyes in your eye socket, your tongue in your mouth. He doesn't need no nuclear bomb. All he has to do is speak or think it, and it'll be done for him. So it's not a nuclear bomb that describes in Zechariah fourteen twelve. It had nothing to do with that. It is the judgment of God upon the people. And people who are preaching that thing is from the Larkin teachings of old, of over 100 years ago. It's all false. It's wrong. It's doctrine of man. It did not, that's not rightly dividing the word of truth, meaning the words of God. It's not rightly dividing them. That's why they can't understand that scripture. Okay, now we come to the eighth one. So that was the seventh spirit, the true vine. Remember when you go up here to the, the sixth one, uh, when he's talking about the, the, uh, the way, the truth, and life, what's critical with that one is that the Lord is talking about the way, the truth, and life. This is how you get dominion over the earth. You take dominion over all things. See, the branches are like the seventh day of rest. That's when you really grow. You go back and you remember all the works that you've done in the first six spirits, understanding and growing in those ways. And now you come to the seventh spirit and you, it's what he said, it, it rests, it strengthens you. In other words, the Father's going to give you more. If he sees, what does he do? The, the, the talents, he always sees. He gives you so many talents, and if you've done well with that, he gives you more. God always gives you more. He wants to give you more, more than enough. 
And he wants to provide for you more than enough to accomplish the work he's given you to do. But the way, the truth, the life is what he says in John fifteen seven. If you follow me and abide my words, you, what you desire will be done for you. That simplifies what that says right there in in um, uh, John fourteen six. That's some as a result of it. Okay, then it goes and John uh, seventeen uh, eleven uh, makes an interesting statement. Now this is when Jesus is before the cross and he's praying to the Father. And he says, I am no longer of in the world. See, the moment that you've set yourself apart to do the, the work, in other words, he's done all things. When he says, I'm, a, I'm no longer of the world, he's sacrificed all things, he's done all things, he's taught all things, now he's ready to fulfill the word, which was a difficult thing for him to do. Remember in the garden, he was bleeding tears of blood coming out of him. But he was strengthened and given the, the blessing to do it. It's hard for him. He loved the people. He would love for them to, uh, to receive the word and, and, and take it. But they had chosen another path, and they were going to kill him. They were going to come and get him. He knew all these things. But he knew what it was going to do. And the sad part for the Lord is he's going to have to wait now another 2,000 years, basically, for us before somebody will finally turn and hear and believe him without him having to come and show them necessarily the spirit will work upon them and we're seeing that the happening people they're starting to understand i must admit god did appear to me with enoch and elijah as i've said many times and he did anoint me with this sword and on june 8th 1985 at 131 in the morning I, i had that sword come flat sword that came from top of my head down through my body on a moving vehicle impossible but he did, and immediately I could prophesy. I mean, I was prophesying and, and knew things that I just astounded me. And I, you know, I didn't know what happened. It took 17 years later, the words were open on the 18th year. 17 full years passed. 18 is the number for healing, and the words were open. Then I understood. And during the middle of all that, during the times, as it got closer to that time, he was saying, you, you must take the words to the world. And I, I didn't know what the words were. I thought he meant the Bible, like everybody else. That's not what he meant. He had to confine me to be able to get my attention to cause me to study and look at this. And then for three solid years, I wrote every night. Not bragging on that. I'm just saying that that's what God did to... Open. I, I was astounded what I was seeing. I'd, I'd come to tears every night and every morning. As I'd asking questions at night, in the morning it would be answered. And I would be writing. Many times my papers got wet from the tears. And, and I was writing with pencil. <laughs> so it was kind of blurry. But I've saved those writings as a testimony. And they're not published. They're not printed. They're not anything. But they're saved. And all but one chapter... Uh, out of out of the seven books I wrote at that time, only one chapter is missing. I don't know what happened to it. I think it was torn up by people that didn't want to hear it. Because um, <clears throat> I sent it to somebody and then they never gave me that one. Anyway, point is, um, here is important. The eighth one has to do with him being king. This is really important for us. In J- John 18... Five, uh, when they came for him, and he said, uh, um, 
they asked him, Jesus of Nazareth, when he, uh, who are they looking for? And Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with him. And of course, he came up and kissed him and so forth. But this is what's interesting. He says, now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. See, the I am he here is showing you just a kind of a picture of what happened to Moses. He trembled when he said the name, I will be who I will be. Jesus was saying, he's going to do what they're going to do on the cross and all the rest of this, but he says, I'm going to be who I will be. And then we see who this is going to be. In John 18.37, it says there, Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you say rightly, I am a king. So here's your eighth one. I am a king. That is extremely important because the king in Ecclesiastes 8.4 says that the power of his words, the power of a king is found in his words. And who can say to him, what are you doing? See, if you don't have his words, the king's words, you can't understand what he's doing. Pilate could not understand what he was doing. So it says, he says, are you a king? Then Jesus answered, you say rightly, I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth, which is the words of God. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate's answer right after that was, what is truth? And Jesus didn't answer. Because it's not to be given to those of the world. He wasn't seeking it for this. He was seeking it to judge Jesus according to the words and get along. He was really speaking that so he could get along with the Jewish rabbis who wanted him dead. So he was looking for a way to, to get out of what he had to do here, what they put on him to do. He didn't believe anything Jesus was saying. He just wanted to know if he said he was a king because, you know, they had appointed a king, Herod. But Herod is a usurper king because he's an Edomite. Remember what the Edomite is? They're the ones back in um, time of Esau. That's what an Edomite is, a person who chose the things they desire over the inheritance of God's words. That's Esau. That's what Edom means. At the end of it, the red, Rudy, that's what he's talking about. And at the end of this time, when we come to this plague, what's going to happen? Your body's going to be red. These boils and stuff, that red Red blood flesh is going to be on, on you, but you're not going to be able to die because there's not going to be any skin on you. It's going to be the bare red flesh meat sticking out. And it's going to have pus all over it and scraped off just like Job and nobody wants to be around you. And you smell Job's son of a dung heap. Nobody wants to be near you. But he says, I am a king. And by the way, Edom, another thing about it was when they were explaining that soup in that time when he's making that soup. And the first time they used the verb in that soup is it's pointing to boil. It has a root word used in it that means boil, but they don't write it that way the rest of the time. See, it's a, a beginning thing. When when it comes at this time, what's it, what you're going to get all over your body? Boils. If you reject the inheritance, the minute you reject that inheritance and seek something else, and what, you know, what value is inheritance to him, that's what Esau was saying. When he said that, that soup became like boiled meat to him. Boiled food. And it's like the boil of the flesh. 
because it's red and ruddy. It's red bean soup, it's red and ruddy. And that's what he was doing. He was rejecting that. And at the end of the day, the people, his descendants, all the Edomites, all those that reject the inheritance of God, won't receive his words and treated the inheritance of the kingdom of God as in, in, and doing the work of the kingdom's plan of God as not important or we can do it our way at our will. See, the law of Thelema is the, it's the it's sorcery. It's the, the devil's law. And the devil's law is you, can, you, you do the way of love in whatever will you desire. Because it's the will of man that matters, not the will of God. We can pretend it's of God, but at the end of the day, it's our will. That's what shepherds are doing today. They want to drive their Rolls Royces, and they justify driving. You know, they've justified owning Rolls Royces because they got it a gift from another pastor. So they have this big ring that goes around the circle. Let's give each other a Rolls Royce because we all deserve it. We are Edoms. We are Edomites. It's exactly what they're doing. Because they have not put the words of God when they were open, they rejected the message and they would not even hear about it. They would not sit and discern it or discuss it or have meetings about it or research it together. They never once were willing to do that and they blocked it because they didn't like the messenger. But God doesn't like them. If they would read Zechariah 10.3, he's angry at the shepherds. And Jeremiah 23, he's going to destroy them. Because they are rebellious and they have not put the food of the kingdom when it was made and offered by God through a messenger he sent, he anointed, they would not receive it. And therefore, what happened? It doesn't matter if they like the messenger or not. They can't receive the message. They got to receive that message. God will make the words known to them if their hearts would turn. If they would repent, like he says in Proverbs 1, 20, 23. But because they won't, they'll get the will of their heart, which is what they're doing. They're going to Washington, making tons of money doing this, going to Israel, even getting money to make defense systems for Israel instead of giving these people the words of God because Israel's not doing right. The, the, the prime minister is heading up the Mossad. The Mossad is helping the Bush family with the drug cartels all over the world. And the Department of Homeland Security, and they're running the drug operation. They do many evil things. 9-11, all these things they knew about and didn't participate in. Many stories of this. Even the Oklahoma City bombings, they report that they and the Saudi Secret Service were involved with it, same as in New York. But anyway, that's just fact. I, I knew the Knights Templar people, and they said they only use the Mossad to do their works, and they do evil works. They're bringing about the One World Order. And the Mossad is helping them. And the prime minister heads the Mossad and directs the Mossad. At the end of the day, also, they put the occult Supreme Court there. God loves Israel. God loves the, the, the people, the remnants that's going to come out of there. And there will be a remnant. And he loves that land. But he does not love those people. And he does not love our shepherds who walk in fornication with these leaders of the world. And seek after the leaders of the world. And they're going to receive the plagues of God at this time because of that. We need to understand that God set these things. The book, the fourth book of the Bible of the New Testament of God's new covenant is John. The book of John. What's John doing? John is the description of what? The counsel of the Lord. And he shows you the counsel of the Lord, the instruction of the Lord as he does all things in the way of his seven spirits. And he showed you here. And then he even testifies to the regeneration. I am he. 
But right now, I'm not received as king because the people will not do what I told them to do in Daniel 9.24. If they would have done, if the house of Israel would have received him and done what they did in Daniel 9.24, they wouldn't have had to go through all this. If the people of the church of these days, the called out assembly of these days, if they would have done what they were supposed to do in Daniel 9.24, in the time when the, the words were first opened in Zechariah 14.7, we wouldn't have had to go through all this stuff of the bankruptcies, all these Christians being killed, and the war that's coming, and the deception and the killing of our babies that's going to happen, nor the plagues that's going to come on. He said in Zechariah 14.7, in the evening there will be light. If the people would have turned to the light, that God would have taken to all the people. The whole world could have been harvested. But the people would not hear. The preachers wouldn't even sit down to discuss it. And now we're in the last of the night. And the judgment is coming. And many shepherds are going to go where they don't want to go. They're going to be cast out just like Matthew 7, 21 to 23 tells them they're going to be. If they will not turn and repent quickly. Because once that judgment comes upon them, once a famine of the word is dictated upon them, it's too late. They're going to get the plagues. They'll lose their eyesight, their tongues maybe. Who knows what he's going to come. He says he's going to mark a lot of them. They're going to lose their right eye and their, their right arm. It's going to wither. That's going to be a mark upon many shepherds. So even when he restores them, he's going to have a mark upon them. And they're going to have to be a testimony until the time of the resurrection, I think. I don't know. That's what it says in the scriptures is that issue. And I don't know when that occurs, but it's coming. That mark that he's going to put on these people. Remember, there won't be anybody like that in the millennium because all the wicked will be destroyed by that time. He's going to do that. Okay, I, I pray that you'll understand. I've tried to give you some really important stuff here. Jesus says he's the king of the Jews, but understand he also says in the book of Revelation, there's many people who say they're Jews and they're not Jews. All these people in Israel, like the prime minister and all these people that are secretly bringing forth the no-eyed morality laws that's going to replace, which is up the club of Rome, new religion that they're developing for the Crown Trust. All those participating in that are the Jews that call themselves Jews and they are not because they're not in any way regarding the, the law of God as unbreakable and unfallible and so forth. They say they are, but you wouldn't be bringing forth this no-eyed morality law. Even these rabbis in the Sanhedrin, I don't trust them. I'd love to. But I haven't heard one movement from them to get the knowledge of truth. And they're still as arrogant as they were in the days of Jesus. They will not see him as a Messiah. They will not believe the testimonies. They know about the blood, the Ron Wyatt blood that he found on the, the mercy seat in the Ark of the Covenant. And they're lying to all the people. They won't even bring it out or even testify to it. They say they made all the things. And I saw a book that they had that said, yes, they've got everything ready for a temple. But that's not the temple God once built. The first temple that it has to be built is the one within us, because without that, we don't have the right to build the holy temple of this time. And they will not be a part of building that temple that they think they will be if they do not turn and come out. Lord, we thank you for all you've made known tonight. We pray, Lord, this be useful to the people. And we pray, Lord, that you'll bless it for thy purpose and test it with your word, dear Lord, and let the people test it with your scriptures. We ask all this in thy precious name, in Jesus' name, amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.